This is the Rabbit Rundown, presented by Jackrabbit Illustrated. Welcome back to the Rabbit Rundown. As always, my name is Jacob Von Bergen, and I am joined here with my good friend and former men's manager, Cody Reed. Cody, how's it going? Going well, Jacob. Just had, you know, four Jackrabbit victories uh, over the weekend. So uh, everything's going well uh, in terms of the basketball and uh, you know, getting into the second half of Summit League play here. So coming down the stretch, but it'll be here before we know it. Oh, for sure. We're, you know, hit the midpoint of the season. Uh, but before we get into too much, uh, today's episode is brought to you by Drake's Place in Bodle, South Dakota, as well as Cottonwood Coffee in Brookings. On today's episode, we will be going over the men's and women's matchups from this past week. As Cody mentioned, the four uh, victories we saw on Thursday and Saturday. We also have a twofer on this episode with interviews. Uh, we interview Paige Meyer and Zeke Mayo, uh, do a quick little freshman feature on them this week. So, um, you know, it was a couple fun conversations with both of them. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more of those here in a minute, but we're going to start off today uh, with the men's side of Summit League action this week. Uh, SCSU, like we said, played two games, went 2-0 on Thursday and Saturday, beating St. Thomas 92-77 and Western Illinois 93-75. Um, Cody, I guess initial takeaways for me in that we can start with St. Thomas. Um, you know, I really guess the theme for the weekend is Alex Arians is kind of stepping up big. Uh, I think that's something, something to mention. Um, but I guess the surprising thing for me is, you know, SCSU wins second half by 20 points. They went into halftime down by five. Is that something that surprised you? Um, and I guess what are some other major takeaways from Thursday's game? Yeah, I think definitely agree with you that the emergence of Alex Arians kind of over the past four or five games has been really key for the Jacks. Um, when a few guys, you know, haven't quite shouldered the scoring load as much, Arians has been there to kind of step up and have some bigger games. Uh, we haven't really seen that out of him in, honestly, this whole year kind of. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's capable of it. He's done it in previous seasons. Um, but this year he was kind of more just letting the game come to him, wasn't forcing anything. But um, And not that he was forcing anything in these past couple of games, but he's just, you know, been a little more aggressive and filled it up. So I think kudos to him for, you know, stepping up. And then the other thing I noticed with St. Thomas is just um, how well they played together as a team. They have six seniors on the team, I believe, right now that comprise most of their minutes. Um and I mean, they're, if they, I would not want to play them if they were eligible for the Summit League tournament this year, because they're definitely a pesky team. Um, you know, they can shoot the heck out of the ball, especially at home. Um, they made a lot of tough shots. And, you know, up, up until kind of the very end, last five minutes or so, when SDSU made some scheme changes on the offensive end, you know, it was a neck and neck game. And St. Thomas was leading for most of it. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. And, um, like you said, SCC kind of pulled away. And honestly, we kind of want that five-guard rotation to end the game, and that's really what ended up pulling it away for him. You know, what uh, St. Thomas is, you know, a little bit smaller um, of a team. So you can get away with, you know, the Baylor and Alex playing the four or five. Uh, so they did get away with that. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Alex, his emergence these last few games has been huge. I believe it was 13 points, 19 points, and 20 points on his scoring in his last three games here against Denver, St. Thomas, and Western Illinois. So, you know, he's really been filling up the score, uh, you know, the scoreboard, like you mentioned. And there's been games this year, you know, where he's shot the ball zero times. 
So, you know, it's one of those guys where he just seems to let the game come to him and some games he'll take advantage of it. Some days he'll just kind of, you know, facilitate, facilitate more. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, Western or St. Thomas is probably a team they're eligible. I think would scare every team in the conference because they can, you know, start just hitting threes and not missing. Um, you know, they went 41% from the, uh, from three in this last game. That's going to beat a lot of teams in summit if they can do that in the tournament. But, um, you know, SDSU pulled away late uh, and then won 92, 70, 70, yeah, 92 to 77, like I said. Um, but, but, yeah, um, like you said, senior-led team, and they were pesky on defense. You know, really caused the Jacks issues early uh, with turnovers. Uh, SDSU kind of cleaned that up in the second half, but still 12 total turnovers. Um, not something you want to see. They seem to give up a lot of rebounds early in the game, too, kind of on those uh, long threes. Uh, St. Thomas would miss. Uh, SCSU just didn't focus on the boards as much, but later on did you know kind of pick it up. Um, overall, though, they won the rebounding battle 33 to 20. So, um, you know, that ended up kind of going the right direction. I believe Baylor had another double double. He's kind of you know continuing uh, to go on that potential player of the year type uh, pace. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me in this game, uh, it's kind of the game like we expected SCSU to win by a lot. I think it surprised most people how the game started. Um, but when SDSU shoots the way they shoot, uh, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Um, just, you know, quick little shooting percentage. I know SDSU tweeted out uh, 63% from the field in this game, 55% from three, and 92% from the free throw line. You know, free throws are kind of becoming a strength. I think we've seen 90% now in almost every game uh, of Summer League action. But when you're shooting 55 and 63%, there's probably not many teams in some league that are going to beat them. Yeah, the free throw, just to touch on that quick uh, before I get into kind of the, more of the other stuff, you know, they're actually, I think, 37th in the country in free throw percentage at 76.5. So something that, you know, started off the year so hot, I think they like missed one free throw their opening game against Bradley. Then it kind of went up and down. They've kind of, you know, figured it out. And I think it's, you know, become a strength for them when they can get to the line. Uh, they've been able to convert. But I think the St. Thomas game, it really – the game itself changed when they put Baylor down on the low block in that five-guard lineup and let him kind of operate down there with either a post-up or just being able to facilitate to the other SDSU players. And then they ratcheted up the defensive intensity those last, you know, five, six minutes of the game and got some misses when they needed to, secured the rebound, and got out of there with a 15-point win. But – yeah, definitely St. Thomas is going to be, you know, I think they're a well-coached team after seeing them play this time. Um, they've obviously got, you know, the money and the endowment backing them. And I think, you know, they're going to be a force in this league before we know it because, you know, they're already better than some of the teams in the league. And, you know, they're using a, a roster that's mostly constructed for Division Three basketball, you know, not Division One. Yeah, and if we really wanted to break into how they're, you know, the roster and, you know, them look, I'll look in the future – I've heard a few people think that, you know, this year, the team, the way it's built, I think they don't even lose anybody. I think most of those guys can come back next year. Um, they're all COVID seniors, so they all have an extra year if they'd want. But the way it made it sound to me, um, a lot of people were talking about how these guys play together so well that, like, once they start bringing new guys in, they're probably going to lose more right away <laughs> because right now they have a lot of those guys that are embracing the challenge of D3 to D1, whereas you're going to start getting guys, you know, recruiting. Um you know, D1 guys that can't play in the tournaments, so you don't know what kind of commitment you're going to get. But that's probably, you know, another 
episode. Uh, that's another topic for another day. Um, but no, I think, like you said, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat here coming in the future. They're already, you know, playing pretty hard. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they'll look like in, you know, two to three years. Um, but yeah, I think Baylor, the second you, they moved him down low to the five, that four or five spot, uh, really took over. Uh, you know, Doug struggled kind of early on in the game, just with pacing, it looked like it looked like he was going a little too fast, a little too aggressive. Um, you know, if, I think when he kind of slowed down and we saw Luke and Matt come in, the offense kind of settled back in in the first half. So I think, you know, just getting Doug settled down in the future, that's all it's going to take there because that is a matchup where he should score like 25, 30 points just because of, you know, his size and athleticism. Uh, but defensively, he really locked in in the second half too. Um, I think he forced a few of their turnovers right away, you know, a couple blocks. So second half, I know Doug came out, you know, looked like really locked in defensively. So, um, you know, if SCSU wants to make a big run uh, defense, kind of like what we talked about with Oral Roberts last year, SCSU is going to fill up the, uh, you know, light up the scoreboard. But if their defense doesn't show up, they're going to get beat by a few teams. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how their defense improves throughout the year. And I don't know if that's something now where, you know, they're going to give up 80 points potentially every game you know, high 70s, 80, low 80s, and you just have to score high 80s to win. But, um, you know, I guess we'll see how that kind of defense shapes up going into the rest of this conference play. Yeah, and I think it has been improving over the course of the, the non-conference season. Um, but you'd like to see it just continue to improve. And, you know, then come tournament time, you can, you know, really lock it down and uh, hopefully win a game when – you know, your shooting might not be there because, you know, come tournament time, there's some weird games. People get a little nervous sometimes. And, and sometimes the shooting uh, goes away in, you know, a bigger mm -hmm. arena and everything like that. So you're going to have to, at least for stretches of a game, you know, have that yeah. defensive locked in mentality. And I guess the reason I brought up the defense there is going into kind of the Western Illinois game. Um, I think that's the first game I really noticed SCSU's defense kind of clicking a little bit more especially the first half, only allowing 29 points. Um, you know, SCSU, if, if they allow teams only 29 points in the first half, they're going to win every game um, that they play that way. Just because, you know, they're going to light it up early, even when they start off slow. Because I think, um, you know, like, again, they kind of have a slower start to the game. Um, but then they started lighting it up, and, you know, the rest was history. So, if, you know, defensively, they can, you know, at least start out strong and, um, you know, hold a team's – you know, slow them down a little bit to start the game and they build up a big cushion, they're going to win about every game because, you know, offensively they can do what they want to about any team in the conference. Um, you know, we've gone through basically every team but UND right now, and we've seen they can score against everybody in the conference. So I think as long as, you know, they get out, as long as they don't fall asleep early and, you know, dig too big of a hole, uh, they're going to be good. But, um, you know, with the Western game, they won 93 to 75. Baylor led the team with 17 points. Uh, Matt Dentlinger had a big game on the boards with nine rebounds leading the team. Um, but I guess for you, any major takeaways from this game, uh, the Western Illinois game? I think it was just the production up and down the lineup that we saw, um, mm -hmm. even with the amount of turnovers that the Jacks had. So uh, they had 17 turnovers in this game, which we haven't seen them have a big turnover game like this in probably mm -hmm. quite a while um, compared to Western's nine turnovers that they forced. Um, so they were giving up, you know, a decent amount of possessions there, but they were still able to, you know, in the second half, win this game pretty handedly. Uh, it felt like, you know, they were never not in control once the second half came around and even kind of the end of the first half. 
Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too, you know, crazy that, that jumped out at me. Obviously the shooting was there 11 to 17 from three, you know, Alex and Baylor both going three of three from the three point line. And then once again, getting to the foul line 22 times, making 20 of them converting there. Um, you know, if, if you go back to last year, I think the shooting was there a lot of times in the offensive efficiency, but sometimes the free throws weren't there. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're making 20 of 22 free throws night in, night out, like they did against St. Thomas, Western Illinois, that just adds, you know, that's a cherry on top to the, the offensive efficiency this team has. No, for sure. And yeah, when you give, you know, three points to SCSU, this would be a hard team to beat because like you said, they scored 93 points and they scored 20 of those on free throws. Like, I don't know many teams that can afford to just give 20 free points to a team like that. Um, you know, like you said, 60% from the field, 64 from three. Really any team that, you know, shoot 64% from three and they shoot 17 times from three, you're going to win a lot of those games just because that's a ton of points to just get that from that that deep, you know. Um, yeah, turnovers, obviously, you know, kind of a shaky spot in the game. Um, it was a weirdly wrapped game. Uh, I know there's a lot of foul trouble. Uh, you know, Doug had four, but still got 15 points, 15 points from Zeke, who's kind of been up and down here as of late. Had a solid game, five of 11. Three of six from three, 17 points from Baylor. Uh, Charlie Easley was seven, 13 for Alex, and seven, or 13 for Luke. And then Matt, like I said, nine rebounds, six uh, points. I think Matt, you know, his role's kind of grown the last few games here as well, starting back with that Omaha game where he's kind of forced into a bigger role with Doug out. So, I, you know, when Matt's playing solid ball, you know, I think Greg uh, mentioned it on the Reaching the Summit podcast, um, you know, going eight deep opposed to seven deep, you know, too deep is going to be, you know, a, lot, a pretty big advantage for them um, just because they do get production from everybody, you know, on the bench that plays. So, yeah, I think, you know, him and Luke coming off the bench are going to be big for the, you know, down low. And um, just the way Matt Mims has played this well this year as well has been huge off the bench. I think, like you brought up, the production, you know, throughout the lineup has been huge for the Jacks this year. And um, I'm very interested to see how it kind of plays out through the rest of conference play because um, in this Western Illinois game, like we said, like you said, and, kind of brought up five different guys in double figures and honestly could have been more if it wasn't for some foul trouble. And I think foul trouble is a good point. I wanted to touch on with you saying, you know, Matt's been kind of his role has been emerging. He's getting a few more minutes. He's been playing a lot more confident. I think if you have three post players that can all know that whoever is in the lineup is going to, you know, contribute on the glass and also in the scoring department, you can play a lot more aggressive defensively, um, mm-hmm. which I think has maybe contributed to the better defensive efforts we've seen these past couple of games is they can play better at uh, the defensive end. They can try and be more of a rim protector and not worry that if they, you know, do pick up a cheap foul or a bad foul, there's two other guys that they can throw in at that, you know, five spot or four spot, depending on what lineup they go with. But I think that's a huge, huge plus that just, you know, Matt's emergence, gives Doug more confidence to be a better defender because he knows, Hey, if I get two early ones, I know Matt and Luke can, you know, finish out the first half for me and I can come back second half fresh, ready to go. No, for sure. And, um, you know, Matt and uh, Luke were very efficient. Uh, you know, they went seven of eight from the field, uh, combined 19 points. So just, you know, solid production from them there. Um, easily, you know, we're just going to keep seeing him grind on defense. So offensively he's going to go up and down, but, Seven big points from him, and um, really the first game this year where we saw like 
uh, conference game where we saw the bench kind of get emptied for, you know, more than 30 seconds. You know, they all got about two minutes of play. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, big win on the road because Western is that team that no one really knows if they're a top-tier team or a mid-tier team. Because if we kind of went through the power rankings, they're probably, you know, outside the top three right now. Um, but, like, and honestly, right now you want to be probably – if you're SDSU, you're hoping, you know, the top – two, three teams are, you know, two and three are Oral Roberts and like the NDSUs because they're going to battle against each other. You don't want to face both of them. But, um, you know, we are hitting the midway point here. Uh, after Thursday, we played every team um, at least once and we're getting into some fun storylines here. Um, I guess and one quick one- thing yep. I had to before we finish on Western, they got to get their score bug and camera figured out. If, if they're going to broadcast, I appreciate the game being free, but who? <laughs> Just the, the synchronization with the radio, the camera from a terrible angle, and then the score bug just taking up a portion of the screen but not being actually usable is yeah, it was it was terrible. Glad we don't have to play there again this year and I have to watch that. Yeah. So I guess you get what you, pay, you get what <laughs> And you then also the just acknowledge Trent Massner from Western Illinois. He's yep. been balling out for him. I mean, I think he just got his like third summit league player of the week this past mm-hmm. week. Um, you know, he's definitely would be a first team player right now. So he's a guy that, you know, come tournament time, he can get hot and you, you know, you don't want to let him get hot if you have to face him, but moving on to the, the entire summit and the storylines you were talking about. No, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we were talking, you know, pre recording and I said, we were going to kind of save it for some of the, you know, when we got into it, but SCSU sitting at eight, no, like I mentioned before, UND. They play them on Thursday and then on Monday. Um, but once they play UND, they played every team, you know, one time. Uh, before we really get into previewing the UND and NDSU matchups, I think this is a good spot to kind of talk about it because we might, you know, hint into them a little bit. Um, is there, you know, you asked me what I thought. I'm going to flip it back on you first. Do you think there's a legit chance of a, you know, SCSU running the table here? Because, According to Kempom, I think their only game that they're projected to lose is at Oral Roberts, and they put that at one point uh, last I heard. So I don't know what it's sitting at now. But I guess in your mind, you know, NDSU Saturday, that'll be the first big test, in my opinion. And other than that, they have, like, all the other tough games at home. How do you look at – how do you view their chances at, you know, running the table this year? Yeah, um... <sighs> It's tough. I think there's four games you potentially get tripped up on. Um, obviously, it can be any game. It's the Summit League. You know, mm-hmm. teams have beat other teams. But when I look at the remaining schedule, I think it's Saturday against NDSU because that's always a close game. But yeah. you have the advantage of being at home for that one. And then the other three, I think, at USD on the road, just because we've seen a better SDSU team come into that game and play poorly just because it's in Vermillion. It's a you know, it's a raucous environment. They're going to be loud. Um, I don't think USD has the team this year to do that, but they are, you know, improving. We've seen USD kind of keep getting better. The other two, I think, at UMKC and at Royal Roberts, just because together that road trip is kind of tough. Um, UMKC is a weird place to play. It's just – and it's after they play that big game against Oral Roberts. So mm-hmm. with that being said – the consistency we have seen from SDSU up to this point, um, you know, other than the Idaho game, really, in the past 10, 12 games, 
it's been pretty consistent night in and night out. And I think there's a, a legitimate shot that they can run the table and win every game in the conference regular season. I'd maybe, you know, 50-50 at this point that they can do that. Uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily willing to stamp my uh, take, my hot take, that they're going to do it. But I think there's definitely a legitimate chance that you have to consider um, them being able to do that. So that's a terrible long way to say that I don't really have an answer, but I guess we'll see what you have, Jake. No, and I think you kind of brought up the tough games. Um, it was kind of breaking each one down. NDSU, it's going to be a tough one Saturday. We'll get, we're going to dive more into that matchup here shortly, so I'll kind of avoid it for now. Uh, but USD, like you said, they have been improving, but just for some context, the teams they've showed improvement against, North Dakota, Denver, Omaha, uh, St. Thomas and Western is beat by three at home or on the road, excuse me. So, you know, Western, they beat them 75, 72 on the road. So there is some improvement there. That's right. But you know, that is this class probably like, you know, the tier they're probably in is that Western tier. Mm -hmm. Do they take a tier jump up SCSU versus, you know, them at home? Do they, you know, rise to the occasion? I think that's the second toughest game. I'm personally not, you know, worried about the UMKC game. I know they just beat, you know, NDSU. NDSU just didn't look good in the game at all. I don't think it had anything to do with them. That was more of a NDSU came out flat. Grant Nelson wasn't playing. They were overlooking it for the Oral Roberts game because the Oral Roberts game was the game they needed, um, which, again, we'll get into that later. But I think Oral Roberts, if they get through NDSU this weekend and then Oral Roberts, is that in a couple weeks? Yeah, um, I think. Two, oh, I guess I was going to make a really, I was going to make a really bold statement and be like, if they get through NDSU and Oral Roberts and their chances are really good, Oral Roberts is the second to last game. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> retract that part. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, if they get through NDSU, I think, you know, you're looking at the USD game as being the really, you know, other tough one. Um, but I think, you know, like you said, 50% chance, I, I'd probably put it about 60 just because you, you know, they do have some of the, I hate to say it, the cupcakes left. You know, they have Denver at home, Omaha at home. Or no, Denver on the road. Excuse me. Omaha at home, though. So they don't have to go to Baxter again. That's good. Um, you know, we'll see how UND, we'll get into that matchup here because they play them twice in, you know, four days, five days, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think you get through Saturday and you're looking at a very strong possibility of them being undefeated this year. Again, knock on wood. Um, sitting at a wood table right now, so I'm knocking on it. You never know what's going to happen. But Saturday, I think, is the first, obviously, the first huge test. And we're going to get into it here shortly. But I would put it, you know, slightly above 50%, maybe a little bit low, below 60. Um, just because, you know, they have a couple of road games left that are going to be tough. If they'd already played at Vermilion and Oral Roberts, I'd, you know, put it really high, probably put it around 70. But since they do have those games on the road, I'll put it around that 55 to 60% chance that they can do it. But, you know, big one against NDSU this weekend you know, might skyrocket that number for me next week. Um, and I guess the one thing before we move on to that, that matchup this weekend, is it, you know, it's the, the whole debate of do they need to have a loss to reset themselves before going into the summer league tournament where a loss knocks you out. And, you know, um, I personally don't necessarily subscribe to that argument that, you know, that loss is needed to kind of reset your team, motivate them, get them ready for the tournament. I think if you're riding hot, you're riding hot and you ride it as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Not that they'd ever purposely lose, but, you know, uh, 
I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that whole debate? I think, I think they're playing with so much confidence this year. I think college basketball is such a confidence, um, you know, thing. I think you lose a game, you don't lose the confidence. But I think if you're, go, you're playing undefeated, I don't see this team getting, you know, overly cocky. They're not out there, like, you know, clowning on people. It's, you know, they're still very much playing it. You know, they're not going for style points. They're going, you know, they're playing through their normal scheme. If they went out there and started, you know, just throwing, you know, behind the back passes, like alley-oops, like early on and like just screwing around, then I'd say, yeah, maybe a loss would be awful. But, you know, they are still playing in the flow of their game. They're not doing anything stupid. Um, you know, they're not out there like trying to, you know, showboat and uh, put other teams down, that kind of thing. I think they're just, you know, playing their their system and they're just showing their five players on the court are better than those five players. And there isn't another team in the summit that can say they have eight guys that can score double figures for them any night. So I think that's a major advantage they have in this league compared to others is what other team can say they have eight guys that can produce to the point where SDSU can. And you have David Winget who doesn't play very much. We saw him last year with multiple double figure games. So, you know, he's not getting. No, I think that's a, but (laughs) no, I was just saying, I think that's a great way to answer that question. So, but um, you know, that being said, We'll start playing the hypothetical game a little bit, and we'll get into the UND and the NDSU matchups. Uh, like we said, uh, it's an w- interesting week for UND. Uh, UND travels to Brookings on Thursday, Vermillion on Saturday, and then back to Grand Forks on Monday to play SDSU. So we play UND both times uh, this week. Um, I guess, you know, going into it, everyone kind of knows the big player for them right now is Paul Bruns, um, you know, the South Dakota native. Um, interested to see, you know, how he, you know, opens up the first time. We'll see him against uh, SCSU. He's a six-four guard. Um, I'm interested to see how the Jacks attack him if they go with a Baylor, or a Charlie, or a Zeke, because you know he's not going to out physical or out, you know, run anybody on the court. So this might be a time where SCSU has a a favorable matchup defensively against him, whereas a lot of teams maybe don't um, outside of like maybe NDSU. But I guess. What are your initial thoughts for the two matchups against UND here this week? Yeah, I mean, they're obviously coming into this game uh, on quite the losing streak. Um, I believe, if I can pull it up here, they've lost eight in, eight in a row. They have not won a conference game yet. Um, you know, if they're if they're going to pull themselves up out of the, the gutter, because I think this year, I guess with uh, – is there a team that won't make the tournament or – Yep, because St. Thomas isn't eligible, so it's the same as last yep. year. You won't make it. So, you know, if, the, if they're going to try and be eligible for the tournament, they're going to need to get some, you know, at least a couple wins to be able to compete against Omaha and Denver down the stretch for that final spot. Um, and, you know, if, 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 if they can rise to the occasion, this would be the time to do it. But I just don't really see it happening. Um, they just don't have the talent, I don't think, to compete for 40 minutes against SDSU, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially when they're playing in Frost Arena. Um, they're just, you know, they're, they're offensively, they're a little challenged um, with what they can do. Um, and so I, I just don't, I don't see it. There's no envision uh, thing that I can envision where they win this game really. Like obviously anything can happen, but it would just, it would take quite the collapse I think by SDSU for them to, to win this game. Cause they just haven't been consistent enough on the offensive end and they don't have enough people that can, you know, put up the points that you need to, to be able to compete with SDSU. My only thought 
Um, and after we just talked about, you know, the undefeated part, um, Monday is setting up for a huge letdown spot for SDSU. Um, SDSU, obviously, you know, if SDSU, let's say they beat North Dakota Thursday, big, uh, kind of like I would expect them to do at home, if we're being honest, uh, they beat NDSU at home. You know, Monday could be a very big letdown game for SDSU. Um, you know, they just played the team. They just beat them big. Now they're going up there kind of on a short break. You know, guards a little bit tired from playing, you know, back-to-back games with big minutes, like you'd kind of assume. Um, so, yeah, you know, it could be a potential for a letdown spot Monday. Um, I do think this game Thursday is big for SDSU. If you can get up big early and rest guys like Baylor, Alex, uh, Doug, um, you know, get get Gentry in there with 10 minutes to go opposed to, you know, two. Get, uh, you know, David, maybe David gets into the rotation in the second half a little sooner. Uh, Mims plays a little bit more, you know, maybe get those guys in the 20-ish minutes and then, you know, David 15, give Baylor's and Alex's, you know, a break. I know Hendo has made multiple comments that the guys are just, they just want to play and they're ready to go. They just always want to play. Um, so maybe that's not, you know, maybe the fatigue thing is a little bit more of a head thing for me right now. Just, you know, maybe that's could play into it, but you know, I think, you know, that first game, just get up big, get your other rotation guys in there a little bit more and coast, you know, win that game big and get, uh, get ready for Saturday. But no, I, th- I think that's a fair point for sure. Just especially, you know, with if they do beat N- or UND on Thursday, you know, hopefully a big win on Saturday. It is a potential letdown spot that following Monday, traveling all the way up to Grand Forks could be super cold, you know, don't want, really want to get off the bus, don't want to, you know, do go through everything. You're just a little slow and then you know, UND pounces on you to start the game if they're, you know, up for it at home. So it's possible. Um, I do think what you said about Thursday night, you know, trying to get up early, build a big lead, be able to get some rest for those guys is key just because this is the first time they've done this, you know, play night off, play night off, play, whereas some of these other teams have just based on who is missed for COVID and things like that. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a crucial three-game stretch. I think you know, they're, they're definitely capable of beating North Dakota both times. They should beat them both times. They're the better team talent-wise. Um, but uh, you still got to play the games, so. No, for sure. And like you said, we'll never know until the game's played. Um, but we'll get into the second matchup uh, against NDSU here. Uh, this will be the first repeat game we have of the year, uh, like we kind of hinted at earlier. Uh, this one, obviously, at Frost. Uh, last time they played, it was 90-86. to 86. SDSU won up in Fargo. You know, SDSU controlled that game by, uh, you know, a large margin for most of it, and this kind of collapsed towards the end and then pulled away there at the last second. Um, I guess, Cody, any initial thoughts on this upcoming matchup? Um, a game I think, you know, SDSU should win. Uh, they Honestly, they should have won the last game by 20. They only won by four. You know, these two teams, when they play, it's always close. I do think SDSU should win it by, you know, double figures if they play the way they did, you know, last game and they stick to it at home. But uh, what are your kind of initial thoughts for the game? You know, it is a potential spot for Grant Nelson to come back. So that is something we haven't seen, you know, Grant Nelson play uh, for NDSU for a while. And he was playing, you know, pretty well in that first half. He played today. He, uh, today oh, okay. Tuesday. He did play against St. Thomas, I think, limited minutes. Um, coming off, I believe it was a bone bruise. Um, I'm just looking here for his minutes. They said eight minutes, but he fouled out also. So Yep, okay. So he'll 
you know, yeah. for all intents and purposes, he should be back in that matchup. And he was playing really well in the start of that game against uh, SDSU up in Fargo. And then he kind of got in some foul trouble and just got really quiet for the rest of the game. But he does pose a matchup problem for them a little bit with his ability to go outside. And then also, you know, he's big and he can play inside as well. So I think that is something uh, to key on. And then the other thing, they've always played Rocky well. I thought he's had, you know, pretty limited outputs in the games against SDSU in his career. I think it comes down to Griezel and Edie being able to limit them, not that, not let them play the game at their pace and get to their spots in the offense. Because when they're doing that, they are hard to beat because they're efficient uh, on the offensive end and they're tough on the defensive end. But like you said, I, this is a game uh, SSU should win. Um, they were leading for most of that game by double digits up in Fargo and then kind of let it escape from them at the very end, but still came out with the win. They also have the benefit of playing North Dakota on Thursday, where NDSU has to travel down to Vermilion and play USD, which could be a hard-fought game down there. So, you know, they might have to play some extended minutes, whereas hopefully SDSU doesn't have to. Um, but, you know, it's there's, there's not much to say about this other than it's a great rivalry. It's always a fun game. You know the players on both sides. Like, it, it's been the same for a long time, so there, there's not a whole lot to break down X's and O's wise, uh, you know, when you talk about it. No, for sure. And yeah, I think like you said, Greasel's, uh, I think the big thing is Greasel and, you know, Nelson, like you said, um, just to figure out how you want to defend them. You know, the SDSU did go with that four guard uh, rotation for most of it. And that's kind of what got Grant and some issues, but then defensively, you know, if you're not making shots on the offensive end, defensively, you're kind of screwed because now you got a six eleven guy getting guarded by, you know, who are, you know, Matt's our biggest guy at six, eight. So, you know, <laughs> you're kind of you're kind of in trouble there if you're not making shots. But um, yeah, it's gonna be a fun game Saturday at Frost. Frost should be loud. Um, so you know, I fully expect it to be a you know high quality matchup there, and um, it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, and but... like you said, I think this might this would probably be the biggest game of the year up in Frost. I would say just because you know the Oral Roberts and USD games at home happen to be around the holidays, so mm-hmm. just less people going to the game. So you know, if you can get out and get to it, uh, I would definitely recommend. I think me and Jacob are both thinking of going up for it. And, you know, I'm excited to be in, in that environment for the for the game. No, for sure. And, you know, that being said, um, like I mentioned earlier, we were joined this week by Zeke Mayo, and we will go right into that conversation with him. And welcome back. Uh, today we have Zeke Mayo, a freshman guard for the SDSU men's basketball team. Uh, Zeke, how's it going? Good. Good, good to hear. Um, you know, like we like to do with most of our guests that come on, uh, we like to have them just tell their story of how they got to SDSU and Brookings and what brought them here. So the uh, floor is yours to, to kind of tell your story of how you got to SDSU. Yeah, so uh, basically um, I got recruited early my junior year, um, summer going into my junior year actually. So. Uh, about July is when they first reached out to me. Um, but it was one of the coaches that left, actually, Jamel Barnes. Um, he's no longer here, but he was uh, recruiting me pretty hard. Um, I took a visit out here uh, later that year in the fall, about September. Um, so I got to see campus um, early before my junior before my junior season started. And so, uh, you know, I got out here, um, got to meet all the coaches, some of the players. Um, and I really, I really liked it out here. My family liked it. 
Um, it kind of felt like home for me, just being from Lawrence. Um, you know, it's a college town. Um, the community really breeds, you know, sports out here. Um, so I just felt like it was pretty much home for me. Um, and then I took another visit just to a game and uh, ended up committing October of my senior year. So um, kind of not post-COVID because, you know, obviously still here, but we were kind of past those, you know, scary stages. Um, and it was right before my senior year uh, season started. So I just kind of wanted to get the weight off my shoulders um, before my season started. So, uh, you know, committed, gave a verbal commitment and then signed a couple weeks later. So, and now we're here. Yeah, I think uh, all Jacks fans can agree. We're, we're glad to have you here. Um, you know, being a true freshman, um, you're playing a lot of minutes. Uh, what's maybe been one of the biggest transitions or adjustments you've had to make, um, you know, from the high school game now coming to college? And that could be even off the court stuff too. Yeah, uh, obviously, you know, speed and physicality for sure. Um, coming in, I think I was, you know, one of the smallest, smallest guys um, on the team. But back in high school, you know, I was really one of the, you know, taller, not much bigger, but taller guys. So I was playing kind of, you know, the one through the four. But here it's just like, um, you know, obviously speed and physicality. And uh, I mean, it didn't really take long for me to, um, you know, adjust and make those adjustments. But, um, you know, as time goes on, the game kind of slows down for you a little bit. And you, you just kind of come to realization that it's, you know, just basketball. So you just play your game and do what you got to do. No, for sure. And, you know, SDSU kind of has a, um, you know, pretty fluid offense, you know, a lot of ball movement, things of that nature. Uh, did your high school game kind of help the transition into that? Or was it a uh, something that you kind of had to work at getting, you know, used to the SDSU uh, style of play? Uh, yeah, obviously, um, you know, we play pretty fast, um, pretty freely. Coach doesn't really have a structured offense for us. But um, I think back in high school, we didn't really have a structured offense either. But, you know, there were some times where we would pace ourselves and, you know, uh, run a few sets here and there, but I mean, it's not, it's not the same, but it's not very much different. Um, working with my trainer, I'd say I worked on a lot of the, um, you know, offensive, I guess, skills that we have here. Um, so he kind of prepared me well for this stage. And um, yeah, I mean, I can't really say it's much different, but it's, you know, not, not the same either. No, I think, uh, yeah, it's, you know, some skills are definitely going to translate, but you still have to kind of learn the new system. Um, but, you know, speaking of the whole team, you come into a pretty veteran team uh, at STSU, you know, with all the, you know, COVID eligibility and things of that nature. What was it mm -hmm. like, um, you know, kind of learning from these guys when summer and fall came around, uh, but then also competing against them, you know, for playing time? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, it's always a fun opportunity to compete, you know, with these, these older guys and, you know, just, Coming in, I feel like I didn't really, nobody really knew my game. Um, so I kind of had the advantage because, I mean, I got to watch them, obviously. So kind of studied them a little bit. But um, positioning-wise, it wasn't really like, I was obviously competing for a spot. But at the same time, it was just like, as long as I can, you know, get myself an opportunity. Um, and, you know, thank God coaches giving me those opportunities. And um, I'm proving myself in practice each and every day. I'm working hard. I'm just continuing to you know, show, show that I can, I can compete with um, each and every, each and every guy on the team. So um, yeah, just coming in, uh, playing my game and sticking to what I do, not trying to do too much, obviously. So. Yeah. And, you know, with that competing that you're talking about, we've seen your role 
uh, changed a little bit throughout the course of this year. Even, you know, you, you started coming off the bench a little bit. Now you're in the starting lineup. Have you felt that, you know, within the offense and within your role on the team that you've that's changed uh, between coming off bench or starting? Do you prefer one or the other or, you know, talk um, about that a little bit? Yeah, obviously everybody wants to start, but um, <laughs> I knew I knew early it probably wasn't going to happen. Um, so I just, you know, was thankful for my opportunity to be able to come off the bench and get those minutes. Um, not every true freshman can really say that they have that opportunity. So I'm thankful for that always. Um, but, you know, once I got into the starting lineup, I kind of realized, okay, coach has put a lot of trust in me and given me this opportunity. I need to really uh, go out there and prove that I should be in the starting lineup. And I think I did that the first couple of games. Um, kind of been in a slump lately, um, haven't been shooting it well, but um, just competing on both ends of the floor and uh, just being a playmaker for my team. I think that's what's earning my minutes right now. No, oh, for sure. Um, have you noticed, uh, obviously at this mid-major level, um, you know, the part of the season that matters the most is this conference play. Yeah. Um, have you noticed a difference in intensity uh, with the non-conference versus, uh, you know, non or versus conference play now? And um, now that, you know, these games really matter going into the tournament, have you noticed that level of intensity kind of jump up? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, you can't really say, you know, non-conference doesn't matter because it obviously does, but I don't think non-conference matters as much as conference because, you know, any team can get beaten on any given night. Um, so, you know, you have to come ready to play night in, night out. And, uh, I mean, so far we've done that, started 8-0 so far. So um, we're, we're in a pretty good position, but we know that um, we, can't, we can't let up on anyone because, uh, like I said, each, any team can get beaten at any given moment. But, um, yeah, we're just taking it one, one game at a time right now, um, knowing that each one is important going forward. Um, we just want that, that high seed for the conference tournament when the time comes. And um, I think we're doing good so far. No, for yeah, sure. And, you know, uh, speaking of, you know, the conference, one of the big rivalries in this conference is uh, SDSU versus USD. You've had a little bit of a taste of that rivalry. Um, were you aware of that rivalry coming in? Did it kind of exceed your expectations of, you know, how intense it is? And uh, maybe speak on that a little bit. Yeah, uh, coming in, I didn't really believe that the USD game was as big um, or bigger than the NDSU game, in my opinion. Um, so when we went out to NDSU, they had a pretty good crowd out there. Um, but then when U USD came here, it was like, wow, like the environment was crazy. Um, first time, obviously, playing in one of those those big, big environment games. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't really aware of how big the USD game was just because, I mean, obviously, when uh, Stan, Stanley Amudier was, was here uh, last year, but, you know, they didn't really have fans. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing just to be uh, able to play in front of our fans against um, a very good team in uh, both USD and NDSU. Well, for sure. And kind of going in uh, with the non-conference, was there kind of like a uh, kind of an eye-opening moment for non-conference play that was like, okay, this is college basketball? Uh, you know, versus, you know, high school basketball, is there kind of that moment as well? Um, I mean, if I, I can't really remember a specific moment, but I can definitely say um, probably my first, my very first game for sure um, against Bradley. Uh, I mean, it was just like the environment's completely different. The pace of the game was completely different. Um, the physicality was completely different. And the talent level was obviously completely different. Um, Bradley's obviously a very good team. They've showed that they've shown that in the past. Um, 
but you know we kind of we try we adjusted we adjusted or I adjusted quick um and I mean yeah no for sure um I guess kind of one of our final questions here um a couple weeks ago we saw you know the Jalen announcement where he got the scholarship um in it uh coach Hendo mentioned you that he kind of guarded you in uh practice and kind of frustrates you um anything he specifically does that gets under your skin while you guys are going one-on-one or uh, is it just, you know, his presence on defense kind of gets to you? Oh, make shots, man. Whenever he's making shots, it's kind of hard to get him to stop. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a fantastic player. Um, he's obviously undersized, but the, the kid has skill. Um, he comes from a Juco, but he has, he has a lot of skill and he, ha- and he has a lot of heart as well. So um, going against him every day in practice, it's obviously uh, made me better, giving me confidence going, going into games. Um, so, yeah, I'm always, I'm always thankful to go up against guys like that who can really score the ball and put a lot of pressure on me just because they can get me better each and every day. So, yeah. No, it's uh, always fun to hear kind of those uh, practice dynamics between the team. But yeah. that's all That's all we have for you. Uh, thanks yeah. for coming on, Zeke. And, you know, good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And that was our conversation with Zeke Mayo. Thanks again to him for, you know, his time this weekend. Uh, he, you know, he did came on with us Sunday right after they got back from Western. So as you know, obviously he's busy being a student as well. So we appreciate the time he gave us on Sunday night. Um, But with that being said, we're going to dive into the women's side of uh, the action. And honestly, with the women, um, (laughs) I don't want to shortchange him here, but there's not going to be a whole lot to talk about because they blew out both games. You know, (laughs) they dominated both games. Uh, They won Thursday, uh, 88 to 47 against St. Thomas, and then they beat Western 114 to 50. Um, We'll start with St. Thomas. Uh, Obviously, you know, solid game for SDSU, winning by 41 points. Uh, Maya Sellen led the team with 16 points. Uh, They shot extremely well, 65% from the field, 71% from three, and 100% from the free throw line. They only shot six times, but they didn't miss any. So, um, I will say we heard from AJ uh, early on in the, the week that they had their best practices um, early on and it showed, um, you know, the effort de- offensively and defensively was there scoring just, you know, they didn't miss. It seemed like they, we talked about the guys efficiency. The girls were just as good, if not better this week. <laughs> um, and really going back to that Omaha game, um, they've been shooting really well this, these last few games. And um, I guess Cody, from your aspect here, your point of view, what's your thoughts on how, you know, the women have been looking, they, you know, won the last, you know, four games by 30, 40, 40, and 60. So they're starting to dominate teams kind of like of old. Uh, what's kind of your thoughts on, you know, the, the, the state of SCSU women? Yeah. I mean, it's just been impressive. That's like all you can really say. The renewed focus on the defensive end. I think uh, that, Coach AJ was talking about a couple of weeks ago. The team really took to heart, um, not only in what AJ's seen in practice, but also in the games, because obviously something has changed a little bit on the defensive end um, because they're just, you know, blowing teams out and teams are not shooting well against them uh, and not scoring very much. And even at the start of the year uh, and throughout, you know, kind of their non conference struggles, it was more the offense that they needed to pick up SDSU was. So the defense has been there. But it's, you know, even ratcheted up another notch um, against these teams, you know, in the conference play that 
you know well and you, you know they're going to scout you and have all this stuff prepared for you and to be able to continue to just sh shut them down the way they have been um I think has been you know very impressive and of kind of old Jack's teams that we're used to seeing um in the past couple of years uh, especially you know just just kind of blowing these teams out at home and mm -hmm. not a whole lot to say other than um you know, maybe just getting some more consistent production um, across the lineup. But it, it's, you know, they've been get, able to get a lot of people in these games and get people more minutes, which is always a good thing. And mm -hmm. it's just been, you know, fun to watch them be able to just kind of dominate some teams like they have been. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, since losing to, you know, USD, um, you know, they've won four straight, you know, won every game by at least 30 <laughs> or at least 20 uh, – 23, I believe, is the lowest. So, um, but yeah, AJ's mentioned on a couple of occasions now that he just thinks mentally and physically um, they were kind of drained and recovering. And he thinks right now they're kind of at their best point. So I think, you know, that plays a lot into it. You know, they had the weird start to the season with injuries and just things going on. You know, now that they're kind of into the groove of the Summer League action, they've really started showing, like, the, like you said, the team of old where, you know, we're used to like with the Macy Millers where they're beating all the bad teams. Well, now they're beating teams that you kind of consider middle of the tier, uh, middle of the pack. They're beating them by quite a bit as well. So um, I really think, you know, they show that there is two tiers to the Summit League on the women's side where, you know, the men, there's like three, four, five. Um, you know, with the women, there's at least two, um, and there's a giant gap between two and, or one and two. Um, you know, SDSU and USD are way above, I think, you know, three through the bottom. Um, again, SDSU's only lost one Summit League game in the last – two seasons now and that was the USD this year at in Vermilion. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, SDSU, they, they're starting to look better and more consistent. And I think that's huge. And obviously, uh, you know, Maya scoring 16 points um, and leading the team. We've always kind of focused on how she's huge for the team. Uh, but then, you know, Paige Meyer, we'll kind of get into it, talking about her a little bit more here as well. She scored 19 points against Western Illinois in that blowout. Um, so, yeah, it's just, you know, good to see, you know, game in and game out. You can have different high scores for them um, and just production all the way around, especially in, like, the Western game where all five starters score the double figures. Um, it's just, you know, good to see, you know, all the all the other minutes for other players. You know, all the bench players got at least eight minutes, it looks like. So, in that Western game and uh, 114 points is, you know, obviously something you, you're happy to write home about. Yeah, they've just been playing really well. And I've been trying to look up here – uh, the other thing that they've been doing is shooting the ball a lot better. And mm -hmm. I know we've talked a little bit uh, throughout the season that they've had some struggle shooting, but I wanted to look up how they rank in terms of three-point percentage as a team in the nation, because I saw something that kind of surprised me there, but bear with me as I'm trying to look that up here. And yeah, I'll just go through a couple more. I'll go through a couple more stats here. Uh, briefly, just from that Western game where they scored 114 points. Um, they only shot 39% from three, which is kind of surprising. You don't know when maybe maybe they were out, you know, a lot better early on in the game. And then bench players sort of came in and started missing. Um, I was watching the men's game at that point. Uh, and they went 11 of 28 from three. 13 of 13 from the free throw line. So that was huge. Uh, you know, a little bit more aggressive there. Uh, but 64% from the field, which is huge. Um, okay, you know, I found the statistic I was looking for. So for um, through games on January 25th, which is today, 
Um, they're seventh in the country in three-point field goal percentage at 38.44%. So um, of all the shooting that we have maybe criticized of them this year, they're definitely proving us wrong. And so, um, you know, if they can continue to shoot around that clip, they're going to be better than most teams. And um, obviously when they're shooting a little bit better than that, especially from inside the arc, they're scoring in the hundred points, which I believe was the first time they had done that in the division one era. It wasn't the most points in program history. I think they had scored more back in like 2000 or 2001 is what the game recap said, but um, it was definitely the most points they've scored in the D one era. Here's something you don't see all the time either. Uh, you know, ESPN, when you look through stats at the bottom has their largest lead, their largest lead of the game was 69 points. How many times do you see a <laughs> largest lead in the sixties? That's just like, I read that. I'm like, there has to be a typo, but they won by 64. So it's like, I, I don't know what to say. Offensively, they played amazing. Defensively, they played really good as well. Um, but yeah, like you said, if they're shooting the three-point ball um, as well as they have been all year, they're going to be a tough team to beat in the summit. Um, you know, that was another thing AJ said is he's really, they really focus on shooting this year on the offseason. And you think, I think now that the injuries are kind of going away and they're getting healthy, um, you're going to start seeing those three-point balls, you know, really going in for them. Um, you know, everyone's shooting for him. Maya only shot one, but, uh, you know, Tylee shot two, Paige shot three, Peyton shot seven. I think two years ago she hit her first one, and now she's, you know, taking getting a lot more confident behind the three-point line. Um, there's only, like, two players in the game that played, Haley Timmer and uh, Bloston, who didn't shoot a three-pointer in the game. So everyone's, you know, confident shooting because a lot of players made one. Uh, like I said, they made 11. <laughs> so, um, and only two people made more than one. So, uh, five of their 11 were made by Peyton and Page. Other than that, there were six other players that hit one. So, a lot of players confident in their shooting. You know, you kind of expect Tori and Nelson to make one. Tylee, you're not surprised she made one. She could probably hit three a game if she really shot a lot more. Maya, she can shoot. So, um, you know, there's a lot of players that can score for the Jacks. Um, and just good to see, you know, players that haven't got a lot of time in their career, um, you know, get, you know, some meaningful minutes and put some points on the board too. So, you know, if they ever would need to get called upon, if there's some injuries or some foul troubles with injuries, you know, you have confidence that players have gotten on the court. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool to see like, even like the players that haven't played a ton and got at least eight minutes of action. So that's almost like a full quarter. So, um, you know, Pretty impressive game. Um, it's, it's just really – there's not a lot to say when you beat a team 114 to 50. <laughs> yeah, I think the couple other things I noticed from this game is they had 26 assists, which um, that's got to be, you know, close to a season high, I would think, in the amount of assists they had in the game, which that's – you know, that's when the women's offense is really clicking is mm -hmm. when they have a lot of assists because they're getting those backdoor cuts. They're hitting the points in the offense where they need to hit them, when they need to hit them, and they're scoring efficiently through team basketball and how they move the basketball in and out around the arc, you know? And so I think that's a, a telling number. And then, you know, the other thing with the, the three point percentage that is maybe why we um, have been doubting them a little bit is just how well the men have shot, you mm -hmm. know, the men are leading the country in three point percentage. So the women at seventh, which is like amazing, you know, in comparison, it maybe just doesn't feel as good. So uh, yeah, that would be one stat if it does hold up through the rest of the year that I would like to be able to somehow figure out is, you know, when was the last time the men's and women's team from the same school were in the 
you know, top seven of three-point field goal percentage. So yeah, if you want to learn how to shoot the ball, watch SDSU basketball, men's yeah, or women's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and the women, you know, they could go up because, like, we have to take – they've been shooting it so much better as of late. Um, you know, they kind of started out poorer. It kind of seemed at least. Maybe it wasn't as bad as we thought. But, uh, you know, if they start, you know, keep shooting as well as they are, that number, they're probably going to go up from seven. Like, just just looking at their numbers they've shot recently. So, uh, that'll be a fun stat to kind of pay attention to throughout the rest of the year. That, that wasn't one I had, uh, you know, seen. I, I've seen them put out their numbers a lot here lately. Um with different cool things that from the women's side, uh, just you know, statistically. Um, but yeah, it's been a really uh, fun couple games to watch. And um, like I said, I, there's probably more we could say, but it's hard to talk about a game, <laughs> you know, two games and then one by uh, 40 and 60. So um, it's an overall, you know, great weekend of basketball for the women. And, uh, you know, kind of similar things you're looking for coming up here where they play UND on Thursday and NDSU on Saturday. Um, UND is six and three. They're in third place in the conference right now. Um, right now, you, and they're kind of sitting there comfortably. They're, I think, like a game and a half above Oral Roberts, their women's team, um, and then two games above NDSU, um, with a lot of the lower half of the schedule remaining for them. So, kind of expect UND to be, you know, that three or four seed come at the end of the year. But I think this is a huge opportunity to show SDSU's newfound confidence. Um, you know, and you know, and taking down UND because UND has won six straight games since losing to uh, SDSU and USD. Um, uh, they started out 0-3, now they're 6-3, and like I said. So um, it'll be interesting to see how SDSU looks in this game. And hopefully, obviously, they don't overlook them, but they did beat them 72-54 to the last go-round. Um, so very interested to see how they come out Thursday against uh, UND and uh, if they can, you know, keep their foot on the gas and keep winning some of these games pretty big. Yeah, I mean, and UND, I think, is a little bit different team than when they faced them the first go-around. Obviously, you know, they've won six in a row. Um, when they played SDSU last, that was part of their three-game losing streak to open Summit League play. So they've definitely turned things around. Um, and you got to go up to Grand Forks and play them up there. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, a, I would imagine, a closer game um, than what we saw previously. North Dakota has a couple players. Um, so I believe Casey Bor Borowicz is how I'm going to say it. I'm not sure exactly how to say her last name, but she's leading the Summit League in scoring at 18.8 points per game. So she's definitely a player you got to key on and be able to, you know, limit her or shut her down a little bit. And then uh, Olivia Lane is the other player for them that is 14th in the league in scoring. So they got two, you know, top 20 in the league scores for them. Uh, she's at uh, 11.8 points per game. And in terms of team scoring, they're right behind South Dakota State in the Summit League in terms of how many points they're scoring a game. So um, I think the, the Jacks need to have a, a good offensive game to can, you know, compete with UND because I'm sure UND is going to probably shoot the ball better mm -hmm. when they're at home. And so, you know, we'll see. But it, I think it's going to be a, a closer game than maybe we've come to expect because uh, UND has kind of turned it around this year. And Historically, they aren't the greatest uh, team on the women's side. No, for sure. And honestly, you kind of expect the way it's been going this year, you kind of expected NDSU to be in their spot and, you know, UND to be in NDSU's spot. Um, but yeah, you know, the women's summit league right now, the middle specifically, they're all within a couple games of each other. So UND's kind of in that, you know, can't really lose two games in a row, um, which you kind of would expect, you know, with SDSU and USD going there. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting matchup. You know, I think SDSU should again, it's a road game. So you never know, but I think SDSU, the way they've been playing, if that SDSU team comes out, they win this game by 20 plus again, I think, um, I think, you know, your NDSU or UND, you have two good scores. Great. SDSU could have five or six. Um, I think, you know, just kind of like I said with the men, I think SDSU, the women should go out there, have a, you know, should win big on the road. You know, like I said, show the gap between two and three uh, and show the different tiers that there is like, you know, levels um, where, you know, one and two are up top and, you know, three through, you know, whatever are way below. So it's a good opportunity for SDSU to really separate themselves again um, from the middle of the pack. And, you know, when you are SDSU and the caliber team, every team's going to give you their best because you are, you know, you have been the top dog for so long. So you can't take a night off, but if SDSU's offense, I think keeps going, plays the way they should, they're going to win this game comfortably because they do play, you know, their defense has been picking it up as well. So um, I think it's, you know, a huge game for SDSU, like I've said, to separate themselves, but, you know, I'm fairly confident unless something goes wrong that, um, you know, they should win it, you know, pretty, pretty handily. And just looking forward to the tournament too, UND is sitting at least a couple games, uh, you know, ahead of fourth place. So they're sitting in that third place spot. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, unless SDSU can um, leapfrog USD, which they're going to have an opportunity to do so, hopefully. Um, but if they can't do that, you know, this is uh, a team that you're potentially going to face in that semifinal matchup. Uh, so, you know, be able to, to beat them here and give you confidence going into that, that game down the line, if it gets to that point, uh, will be big. No, for sure. And, um, you know, that being said, like you said, um, that is a game. It's a, probably a matchup we're going to see down the road again. Um, and another potential one down the road, because, you know, NDSU is kind of right in the thick of things as well. Everything's pretty close. That's a Saturday matchup uh, is against NDSU. I believe they were on like a four or five game win streak until, until they just lost recently. Um, but they're four and five overall. Um, you know, kind of one of those teams where you expected them to be a little bit better than they are now. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it's a rivalry game. You never know what's going to happen. But um, this is, you know, this is where Maya got hurt last year. And we saw, you know, Tylee and Peyton really step up. So it is a matchup, like we said, with the men. We've seen all these players play against each other now for, it seems like, three, four years. Uh, Paige is kind of the new person into the matchup, like Zeke is for the men. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, again, com- probably biased confident again that they should win by 2030 again which is saying a lot but the way they've been playing as of late i'm gonna be overconfident in the scsu women in these games versus you know worried about what who they're playing because i think scsu's been playing so well since that usd loss that they're just you know they're playing on another level right now that maybe outside of usd no one can touch and one thing that you know they do have going for them is you know both these and uh, North Dakota schools have to prepare for both of these South Dakota schools. It's not just, you know, the, mm-hmm. these Thursday, Saturday games, how this works. Like these schools have to play, you know, for the two obviously best teams in the conference, which, you know, that's a tough homestand to, to have to get up for. And so, you know, hopefully that plays into SDSU's favor as well is, you know, two tough games, especially the NDSU on Saturday, they've already played USD. So, um, but like you said, it's, it's a matchup. We've seen a lot of the players in this matchup, you know, uh, they have an all conference caliber player in heaven Hamlin for NDSU. 
Um, but obviously SDSU has their own three or four that are all conference caliber. And so, like you said, not a, not a whole lot to say, but um, I'm sure uh, on the women's side of road games, this will probably be one of the bigger atmospheres outside of USD. And so you mm-hmm. never know what will happen, but we'll see come Saturday. No, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of exciting matchups, exciting to see, you know, how it all plays out for the women there. And I think like you did mention, a big thing is that SCSU and USD travel partner probably does scare a lot of the women programs because you only get, you get three days to prepare for one team, but you get a day to prepare for the other. Granted, you've played them all before, so nothing's really surprising you this year, but that is a gauntlet <laughs> to have to play both of them. Um, but yeah. With that being said, uh, I don't have anything else to cover on that side of things. We're going to dive right into our, uh, you know, conversation here with Paige Meyer. And welcome back. As we said, we're now joined by Paige Meyer, freshman point guard for the SDSU women's team. Paige, how's it going tonight? It's going good. Good. Hey, we like to ask, you know, everybody right away, um, all the new players, all the kind of former coaches, what brought you to SDSU and, um, you know, how much did you know about SDSU before uh, coming to Brookings? Um, yeah, I knew a little bit about SDSU um, back in high school. You know, I watched some of the basketball games, just kind of knew about the town and stuff. Um, what kind of brought me to South, South Dakota State was just the team culture um, of the basketball team. And I knew it was something that I wanted to be a part of. And then for the school, it was just like all the academic um, programs and stuff. It just had a lot to offer. No, for sure. Um, And then going from, you know, high school to basketball, high school basketball to college basketball, what's kind of been the, you know, toughest transition for you so far? And um, is it something on the court, off the court? What's kind of been that toughest transition for you? Um, I would say just like the pace of the game and the physicality. It obviously is a lot faster in college and a lot more physical, but I think over time I'm, getting used to it and kind of adapting to it now. Yeah, I think we've we've seen that throughout the course of this year. Um, obviously, you came into a pretty, you know, veteran team with all the um, COVID eligibility and things of that nature. Uh, what was it like, you know, this summer and then into the the fall, learning the ropes from, you know, this, this veteran team, but also, you know, competing for playing time with them uh, as well? Yeah, all the girls um, – have been super supportive and everything this whole season. It's been really fun um, getting to know them, being able to play with them. And yeah, I'm learning a lot from them both on and off the court. No, definitely. Uh, that's the, the benefit of a, of a veteran squad. Um, and now that you've played every team in the Summit League uh, so far, um, what's maybe been a difference you've noticed in Summit League play versus the non-conference play? Um. I think the team has just recently been playing with a lot of energy and um, confidence. And I think that's showing a lot. And I think we just hope to, you know, stay on that path as the um, games continue. No, for sure. And obviously you did the, uh, you know, they're playing the home and aways and you've gone down to Vermillion once now. Um, that's kind of the big rivalry, obviously, SDSU and USD for uh, women's basketball in this area. Uh, any initial takeaways from the first trip to Vermillion? Um, just, you know, the way the game's played, was there a different, you know, level and energy to the game? What's kind of your, you know, initial takeaways from that first, you know, big matchup? Yeah, I know, like, we talked as a team quite a bit, and we didn't maybe perform to our best ability or how we wanted to play. So we kind of, these last couple of weeks, we've kind of just been 
in practice, like making it a focus to, you know, give it our all every day, um, come to practice, ready to go and just be ready for the next time we play against them. Yeah. I think, uh, that focus has probably been evident, uh, in the games. Uh, you're just coming off a game against Western Illinois where you guys scored 114 points as a team, uh, pretty impressive performance there. Uh, have you ever been, you know, part of a team or a game where you guys have, you know, filled up the box score like that, you know, maybe AU or high school, because uh, it was, you know, pretty fun to watch and a pretty impressive performance. Yeah, I can't say I've ever, we've ever, I've ever scored that much as a team. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, the other night, everyone was getting involved. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Oh, for sure. And uh, kind of wrapping things up, like we said, we'll kind of keep it brief on uh, the kind of the fun question here for you. We were looking back at SDSU's kind of get to know you pay or post about you right away uh, when you first came and they put on there that your hidden talent was juggling. When did you discover that was your hidden talent? And is there any way that transitions into your basketball abilities? Um, I don't remember exactly when I learned how I can juggle. I think I just kind of tried it once and kind of surprised myself that I was actually able to do it. And I mean, I think it just kind of has something to do with like hand-eye coordination. So, I mean, I'm sure that plays into basketball a little too. <laughs> no, I, I think probably in the in the point guard's ability to distribute the ball, maybe there's a little connection there. Yeah. But uh, sure. Paige, that's that's all the questions we have for you. Uh, appreciate you coming on for this, and good luck uh, with the rest of the season. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And that was our conversation with Paige Meyer. Again, thanks to her for coming on with us. I uh, kind of threw that, we kind of threw it together last minute. We were throwing some times around. So it was great to have her join us this week. Um, and just, you know, another getting to know another freshman on the team where you, know, you don't hear a lot about some of the players that are new and kind of hear about the Mayas, the Baylors, the, you know, the old heads on the teams at this point. But uh, it's nice to get the freshman on and, um, both sides and you know really get kind of get a better idea of who they are and um you know you see them young and we'll see you know how they look in two three years from now but um again thanks to her for coming on um and with that we're going to kind of go around the summit here with some of the matchups we're just going to kind of fly through um the men here i'm going to go through thursday saturday and then monday and tuesday there was games on the men's side um so a lot of that matchups here on thursday uh und uh lost to oral roberts 80 to 76 and NDSU lost to KC 80 to 77. Um, on Saturday, Omaha lost to Denver 94 to 63. NDSU beat Oral Roberts 72 to 71. KC beat UND 79 to 74. USD won 90 to 79 over St. Thomas. On Monday, South USD beat 70 or beat Western 75 to 72. And tonight, on Tuesday, the night we record. NDSU beat St. Thomas 77 to 56. Um, a lot of matchups I threw out there all at once. Um, for me, the things that were surprising, I think, was Casey's good weekend of basketball, you know, two big wins. Um, NDSU up and down, losing to KC, where they were kind of dominating the game. Um, and then beating Oral Roberts. The Oral Roberts game turned into a must win for them after losing uh, to KC. And then USD, like we mentioned earlier, is kind of showing some, you know, they're on the way up. You know, what's their competition? That you can only play who's on your schedule. So your record is what it says. But um, I guess for you, what are some of your major takeaways from, you know, some Summit League action here? Yeah, I think the you hit on them. 
you know, uh, Casey's right there competing to be in the top half uh, versus the bottom half of the league. Um, USD's on a five-game win streak after starting, you know, 0-3, coming off a of COVID pause as well. Um, and they're doing that without Xavier Fuller, who coming into the year was, you know, supposedly one, one of their, their better players. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure his status of when he's going to be back, but, um, you know, they're tied with NDSU at this point, um, heading into a, a big uh, weekend of summer league matchups. So those are the, the things I noticed. Um, and then obviously, you know, St. Thomas has struggled a little bit, even though they're, they've been playing well in some of these games, uh, they have lost four in a row. So they're kind of sliding down a little bit. Not that where they sit in the standings matters as much. Yeah. I think, I think it's kind of the, the D one schedules, maybe getting them a little bit more with more travel, um, you know, more busing, that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll see, you know, they're going to, they're going to have, you know, another half of the schedule here. We're going to see how it kind of finishes out for them. Um, I don't envision them getting last in the conference the way it's going right now, but, um, but yeah, some interesting matchups there on the men's side, on the women's side, um, kind of do the same thing. A few less matchups. It's going to play Thursday, Saturday, uh, USD women won 70 to 53 over Oral Roberts or Western Illinois, excuse me, UND beat Oral Roberts. 53 to 34, uh, Kansas City beat NDSU 67 to 62, Denver won over Omaha 71 to 62 uh, on Saturday, USD women won 70 to 43 over St. Thomas, uh, North Dakota beat KC 78 to 66, uh, and NDSU beat Oral Roberts 74 to 70. Uh, for me, I think, you know, a big win for KC over North Dakota State on Thursday but then, uh, you know, a loss to UND was kind of big. Uh, Standing-wise, you know, UMKC was that team that everyone kind of thought was a Cinderella team this year. They've been up and down since conference play started. You know, I early on I said I thought they're, you know, they kind of played that cupcake schedule to start the year, kind of helped. But, yeah, you play who you play. Um, they won those games. But uh, but now, you know, UND has kind of some of the third-place team. I guess for you, is there any other matchups that you – um, or any results there that shocked you or worth noting? I think, you know, UND just, we already talked about them a little bit, but, you know, on that six-game win streak, kind of in a pretty good position in third place right now, heading into a very tough weekend for them. Um, and then Western Illinois may be a little surprising that they've dropped uh, five games in a row down near the bottom of the, the standings in seventh place um, or eighth place, excuse me seventh place in terms of who can is eligible for the tournament. But, um, you know, a, a team that largely returned most of their players from last year, um, a little surprising that they've struggled as much as they have in conference play. No, for sure. Um, but with that, we're going to kind of go on we'll do a quick brief review of how our picks have gone. We did forget to do picks for Monday's USD matchup. It was only USD. So I don't think you know, anyone really cared, uh, but <laughs> Cody's been on a really nice hot streak, so maybe he wished he picked those games. Uh, Saturday and uh, Monday, uh, Cody went a combined, I believe, 10 and 2, while I had, you know, a much cooler, uh, say it nicely, a couple games where I went a total of, I believe, like 5 and 7. Still above 500, 36 and 32 overall with two pushes. Cody, uh, you know, really separated, 41 and 27 and 2 now. Uh, you know, a couple big weekends coming up here if I'm going to make a run at it. So, um, so yeah, you know, that's kind of how our picks are going. 
Um, I guess Cody. Yeah, heading into <laughs> Cody's the guy with the big week. Uh, anything you noticed that led you to those, or um... <laughs> no? I was just gonna say heading into Saturday, we were tied. Um, mm-hmm. We had the exact same record, um, so that was kind of fun. And then, uh, without even really kind of comparing picks, I noticed that we had a lot of different picks um, for the the full Saturday five game slate, which typically were you know mostly in agreement on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I must have just been just just really seeing the board. Um, yeah. At least okay. as far as Summit League, Summit League basketball goes, I was not in my NFL picks. So <laughs> you really just you we separated the the records this week, um, and just looking at it, you really hit on the over unders. Your uh, record versus spread nineteen fourteen and two, and your over over unders is twenty two and thirteen. Um, so obviously, you know, hitting really high on the over-unders. I'm obviously a lot closer to 500 on both, 18 and 15 uh, with the two ties uh, against the spread, then only 18 and 17 on the over-unders. So if you bet, you know, if you bet with us, you probably want to tail me or fade me on the over-unders because I'm probably losing money for most people on that side right now, uh, even though I'm one game above 500. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of how our picks have played out here lately. And, you know, we're hitting that midpoint. So Hopefully I turn things around and get hot again because I did start out pretty cold and then I got right back in it. So I just need to get back on the heater. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like it's a it's a tale of three three parts at this point. I was hot to start and then you caught up getting hot and I cooled down and then I just got hot again. So if if okay. history has anything to say, we will be even before I know it. <laughs> For sure. Um but yeah, you know, with that being said, that's kind of all we have for this episode of the Rabbit Rundown. Uh, thanks for listening. Follow us on, you know, Twitter, uh, both of our Twitter accounts as well. Tweet about SDCU stuff all the time. Like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Give us a five-star rating, all that cool stuff. Um, and we'll be back next week with uh, more SDSU basketball talk. And remember, go big, go blue, go Jacks. <laughs>